Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to my happy potters and listeners. Welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast slash vidcast. Today, I've been really excited to get this uh, guest on board, and I want to give a props to Shaheem Alam for introducing me to this bright spark. I'd love to say hello to Nicholas Griffiths. Nicholas, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing okay. Um, as mentioned before we jumped onto this recording, uh, I had my second vaccination today, so I'm fully, fully vaxxed. So I'm feeling a little bit woozy, but I'm super pumped and ready for today. How about you, sir? Feeling great. Good to go. Good, good. So for the listeners and watchers out there, if you're listening to this on your local podcast network, please make sure that you like uh, and give us a rating. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you like, comment and subscribe below. But Nicholas, for the listeners and watchers out there, could you please tell us like, who are you? Where are you based in the world? Where do you work? And what do those guys do? So I'm based in Vancouver, BC, up here in Canada. And uh, I'm working for a company called Five Rings. They're an outsourced sales company. So other companies come to us when they need help selling their product. And we'll help them to start a LinkedIn campaign, a cold calling campaign, or an email campaign. I love it. Thank you so much for the introduction. And you should have some tips to share for our listeners out there because uh, you're a man that's built things from scratch and, uh, you know, you've been successful in it. So we'll dive into that a little bit later. But also, Nicholas, just tell us a little bit about yourself, like outside of sales, like what do you kind of like get up to and what floats your boat? I'm really into music. Uh, I like creating music. Uh, I came out with an EP about a year and a bit ago, a one-man band. So I did all the instruments, all the vocals, the mixing, the mastering. Uh, it was all it was all me, and that was an incredible experience. I pretty much gave up an entire summer. Like I'm talking, like you wake up, get to work, go to bed for like a full summer. Uh, you, you know, like there'd be days when it'd be beautiful outside, like 25 degrees, and I'd just be inside working. But I, I don't have a single day of regret doing that. I absolutely, and, uh, yeah. I, I had absolutely had no idea that you was into music as well. Funny enough, before uh, we was actually recording this, I was on my podcast mic recording some bars for a hip hop track. Uh -huh, nice. So, yeah, we might we might need to collab a, a little bit later, but Let we'll definitely know. save that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So for the watchers out there that are checking us out on YouTube, we're just going to do like a quick screen share and we're going to be visiting your LinkedIn profile, Nicholas. Yeah. Um, and before we like kind of dive into like, you know, your experience and kind of like your background, I had a question because for the watchers out there, you can see this old school picture of like a, an old school plane and two guys with their hats up in the air, like celebrating. Could you tell us a little bit, what's, what's the story behind this picture, Nicholas? I'm not exactly sure what the story is behind the picture. I, I mostly liked it and picked it as my background because I like what it represents. Uh, clearly, you know, this is something these people have been working very hard at, something that started as an idea in their mind. And it looks like the photographer caught the exact moment when these two guys realized that their idea works. 
And I just love their expression. You know, they've got their hands in the air, childlike ecstasism, just so pumped that their idea actually worked. So, yeah. And uh, I, I feel like that's a moment I want to have, you know, I preferably every day. But yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm in love with it as well. Like you said, like uh, visualizing something in your mind and then seeing it come into fruition mm-hmm. and that feeling of, you know, achieving it. That's how entrepreneurs, dreamers, all sorts, like visionaries, that's exactly how it works. And uh, yeah. I look forward to the future to seeing what you come up with, sir. But uh, if we dive a little bit deeper down, like um, in terms of like your experience, so we can see that you were at the British Columbia Institute of Technology where you did your bachelor's. Mm-hmm. You've been a sales associate at Virgin Mobile Canada. You've been a business consultant internship at Procurify, uh, and then you've had a stint for the last year or so at Five Rings Marketing as a BDR, an account executive, and there is some news to come, but also a BDR manager as well. But oh, yeah. Nicholas, like in your own words, like if you could walk us through, like take us back to the beginning as to like, you know, studying and then coming, ending up where you were, what's, what's the story, Nicholas? Sure. Uh, I'll start a little bit before that. So I was working at Virgin Mobile uh, out of high school, you know, selling phones at the retail locations. And uh, that was good. It was an all right job. I mean, I got some basic sales training there, you know, basic objection handling, uh, upselling, stuff like that. And I did that for about a year. And then afterwards, I went into business school. And uh, I did that for three years. Uh, in my time there, there's this competition called uh, the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Challenge. And okay. they would pit the whole school, or at least anybody that applied to the competition, to come up with an idea and then pitch it in front of uh, a jury or a list of judges, similar to Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, right. And so I, uh, I built this carbon fiber electric skateboard. It was just a prototype, but it it was working. And uh, at the time, it could hit 30K an hour, and it had a range of 40 kilometers. So, you know, you could get around the city pretty quickly. And I even did the math of how long it would take you to get around the city. And uh, during rush hour, you can get around Vancouver City Center faster than a car, which is outstanding. (laughs) So I entered with that idea. It was a solo uh, admission that I did. And uh, I got third place in the competition, which was all fine and dandy. It was a $500 prize. But, uh, you know, I wasn't truly satisfied with that. So the next year, I applied again. And this time, I had a whole team with me. Nice. And uh, this idea was totally different. It's nothing technology-based. But what we're doing is using spent grain from beer production. And what that essentially is is, when you make beer, you use a bunch of grain, but when you're done making beer, you have all this leftover wet grain. Mm. And so traditionally, what they do with this wet grain is they either put it into the compost because it molds so quickly. It's like warm, it's wet, it's been through fermentation. It's, you know, it's like the perfect place for a bacteria to grow. Or mm. they pick it up and send it quickly to a farm where cows or pigs can eat it. So what we were doing was as soon as the spent grain is, is done its production, we would dry it out and you could grind that up and bake with it. Now, if you bake with just spent grain, it's pretty awful. 
I, uh, I, I tried to do it myself. I, I, actually, I have no baking experience, so that didn't help either. But uh, you ideally want to mix it with a bit of like white flour or multi-grain flour, and, and uh, that's a lot better. So, yeah, go ahead. So if, if, if we just stop there. So, like, you know, like we were just looking at your LinkedIn profile with these guys that have built a plane and they had this moment of like, aha, okay, we took an idea and it's like come into fruition. Yeah. So, like, you've built like a carbon fiber electric skateboard which was an idea and, you know, you did the math to see how fast it would take you around the city. Yeah. And then you take this existing issue of you using like beer grain and then like, you know, again, didn't make it right, but it kind of like you took an idea and you made it into fruition. Like, but you said that you wasn't satisfied. What was it about it that wasn't satisfactory to you? Third place, man. Like, <laughs> like it's not first, right? First, first place was $5,000 prize, man. That's like, that's uh, a thousand some percent good more than five. Yeah, exactly. It's way more yeah. than 500. And uh, so we have the spent grain idea and uh, we eventually had uh, like a bake off within the team. It was like eight people within the team. Mm. And uh, the girls on the team made a way better. <laughs> they were like making <laughs> scones, brownies, cookies. Like it was way better than anything. So, you know, that proved that we could actually make a product that tasted good. Yeah. And so we pitched it in front of uh, the panel of judges and we got first place that year. So, uh, so you got to first. Yeah, yeah, we eventually, yeah, we got to first yeah. eventually. So that was a fantastic experience. Uh, during that time too, so the third place was first year of uni, second place was second year. My third and, uh, no, actually this is also on the second year. So I, for Procurify, I did that business consulting internship. Yeah. And uh, this is this is a pretty clever way to get past the decision the uh, the gatekeeper, Ooh, which was what which was what Procurify was struggling with because they're targeting chief financial officers. They always have a secretary that answers the phone. So pretty much impossible to get to them. So what we came up with, me and my team of three, is we would mail them something that looks like a gift. It's going to be a nice box, a ribbon on top with the Procurify color scheme and logo on it, mm. right? So when you send this to the CFO, the secretary is going to look like this, going to think nothing of it. He's going to give it right to the CFO. And what we did was we communicated with some uh, manufacturers in China that make these cheap uh, screens that you, it's not a tablet. It's, it's like just a screen that you mm. can, uh, that we put, underneath the lid of the box with okay. a pre-recorded sales message that we were delivered to the <laughs> CFO. So extremely custom, right? So if you picture what, what this looks like, this, the secretary gets the box, gives it to the CFO. The CFO goes into his office, unwraps it. He's excited. He's giddy, <laughs> opens a box and then boom, our sales video just starts playing for them right there. And he's not going to shut awesome. it. He's, he's going to listen. He's going to watch the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, to test this out, we we built a prototype of this box, screen and all, working. Mm. And we had one of our friends from BCIT dress up as a delivery man. I wish I had the picture <laughs> on hand. And uh, we sent it to Procurify, and lo and behold, like he got into the building, went up the elevator, gave the box to the secretary. Secretary gave it to the CFO. It worked like a charm. And uh, they liked the idea so much that they, uh, they actually invested $20,000 to make this happen. 
Jeez. Uh, it goes without saying that we got the highest mark in the class for business consulting. <laughs> we absolutely killed it. We got 95%. The only reason why we didn't get 100 was because mm. our teacher, that was her first year doing this, and she didn't want to, like, you know, her first year already giving out 100%, right? <laughs> How did that make you feel? Oh, I felt cheated. I felt robbed, man. <laughs> that should have been a hundred. That was an eight credit course, man. That should have been a hundred percent. If that isn't it, I don't know what is. <laughs> but I love that. That is such a because, like, obviously, with a lot of SDRs and BDRs out there, like, like gifting is something which isn't new, but it's a very innovative way to like break yeah. through the noise, ensure that you know you're getting in front of people that are difficult to get in front of, and if you come together as a team and they've spent what was it twenty k, you say? 20k total there uh, the, the the cost of building this thing was just under a hundred dollars and their cost of of an mql was way over a hundred dollars so it was still profitable just by doing that i love that is yeah. that something that you still like do today like do you still like do gifting like in your sdring or like with your team or have you kind of like gone above and beyond that no no i mean uh what i do now is definitely a lot more traditional uh, not so much outside of the box thinking Outside of the box with the screen. I freaking love that. It reminds me of a story. Um, I think this is something we discussed uh, when we connected a few months ago. When I was working at Showpad, like we were doing gifting as well. And our marketing team came up with this call. It was very cheesy, very cheesy idea of we were trying to reconnect with old lost accounts. You know, people that we had an opportunity, but it stalled and we hadn't heard back from our decision makers. Right. So the marketing team like bought, uh, purchased 50 bottles of Heinz ketchup. And they put it in a box and they had this physically delivered to all the DMs. Uh, and in the card, it was like, hey, it's been a while. It'd be great to catch up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and we got a hell, a hell of a lot of responses. Uh, yeah. It was a really successful campaign. But I love the whole idea of gifting. I've seen people send out cupcakes, you know, personalized bottles and whatnot, or swag. Um, but I think it adds like, you know, with like the, like with your example of like having a screen that goes into like the pitch or like, you know, the message that you're trying to put in, that personalized element is what really stands out. I freaking love that. Um, so, what, so what happened after Procurify? What, what was the story then? After Procurify, uh, I had another year of university to do. Uh, I went to uh, a special university. It's not quite a university. It's technically an institute of technology. Okay. But uh, you're able to get a degree in three years if you work your ass off. And so, <laughs> you know, by the th I only had three years. I finished my third year of school. And... Pretty much like from the year, from the, the day I finished, a week after I was already working at Five Rings. So wow. I had a gig already lined up for that. And, and if you don't yeah. mind me asking, like how, how did you come across Five Rings? What was the story? How did you know about them? And like how did you get hooked up into it? Well, interestingly enough, to do LinkedIn automation, right? And mm. those same tactics were used to hire people. So... She reached out to me on LinkedIn. I later found out this was all automated and done by a computer <laughs> software, right? So yeah. she reached out to me, went through the conversation, and then uh, we went into a meeting, first interview, second interview, and the rest is history. Boom. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So reached out uh, through the software that you guys, like, you're selling and helping yeah, out yeah. with on LinkedIn, and it got yeah, you in. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely love that. Yeah. So... Like obviously, like um, like with that Five Rings marketing, like you was doing this BDR role, 
um, and this is something you wanted to get into. What was it like when you first started out and what was going through your mind learning the world of tech and, you know, this company that's trying to sell this service? Like, what was that initial experience like for you, Nicholas? Uh, emotionally, at first, it was, it was just pure enthusiasm for like the first few, first couple months, I'd say. I mean, you're just so excited about this new role. Mm. You just spent three years in school and now you're finally at the workplace. I had a taste of sales from Virgin Mobile as well. So I'm like, man, I know a little bit about this. Now I'm educated. Let's kill it. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of enthusiasm there. As far as, as learning the tech, um, not all, you know, I just spent three years learning how to learn. So it wasn't exactly hard to do so either. Mm. Um, so, yeah, does, does that answer the question? It does indeed, Sam. And okay. like with some BDRs, like uh, what they might be doing is they come into a company, they learn the product, they learn the industry, they learn the personas, they may do mm -hmm. a bit of role playing, um, you know, just to kind of like get them their, their appetite wet as to like, you know, what this world's all about. What kind of like training did you guys go through to like get you on board and get your head in the same space? A lot of pitch practice. Uh, my, uh, my boss, Shaheem, which shout out to Shaheem, 100%. You, uh, like he he taught me everything I knew at the time. Uh, mm. His a lot of his experience came from door to door selling, so he took that angle at, at teaching me how to sell on the phones, and it definitely helped. Right, uh, we would do like, countless pitch practices, objection handling, stuff like that to get me up to a point where I'd, I'd be a fully productive sales rep. Yeah. I love it. And it's something, uh, you know, like with coaching, doing role plays and doing like pitch practices, this is something I definitely agree with. And, you know, to get you kind of com comfortable with it, like I'm not really a guy that loves doing scripted stuff, but I always think it's nice to have an initial script, you know, with the bullet points to guide you as to yeah. how to say those things and then have a coach to like back you up with it and practice with. But something I've seen in the last year a lot on LinkedIn is people may complain that they hate role plays. They hate like doing these practice things. They just want to get on the phones and do it. In your opinion, like what makes training or like role plays and coaching, you know, valuable? And how important do you think it is for like SDRs and BDRs out there? It's incredibly important. And to their point, like fair enough, no one likes doing role play. It's not, it's not an enjoyable experience, but you need to learn how to walk before you learn how to run. It's a great opportunity to just walk through the pitch, learn the steps in an environment that has next to no pressure. Mm. I love that. I to totally agree. And it's something yeah. <laughs> I do with my, I'm doing it with a new team. Right. <clears throat> and sometimes when I say, Hey, we're going to do some role plays, like eyes roll a little bit. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like doing um, it either. Like, yeah. I don't like, like initiating the role play either, but it's, it works and that's why I do it. Exactly. But I think equally, um, something that I've learned, uh, being a manager and like being a coach is just saying, Hey, Nicholas, we're going to do a cold call, like role play. Hit me. Let's see what you got. I think that is what makes things awkward because it kind of puts the rep on the spot. It feels a bit fake. It doesn't, you know, feel authentic. And their fear is of, you know, being ridiculed or judged. And that's why maybe some people don't enjoy it. But I think, you know, setting a good structure to it. So for example, if I say, Nicholas, all right. We're going to do a cold call, but the bit that I want to focus on is the skill of that opening up, you know, maybe if it's the pattern interrupts, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the scenario is I am, a, let's just say, a VP of marketing. I'm within, you know, IT or healthcare, 
Um, and what I want to do is I want to hear how this goes. And then perhaps we've done a framework. But then also if I have other members of the team, I'll be like, hey, Alex, so you're going to be like the judge of this. And I want you to hear how he goes through those steps and does he make it? And then I'll say to Alex, okay, so you know what you're doing. Nicholas, do you know what you're doing? And they were like, yep. And then we go three, two, one, action. And I think just adding a little bit of structure rather than spontaneous, I mm-hmm. think helps make take that awkwardness and hatred out of it. And this is something I've been doing with my new team recently. And they're like, yeah, do you know what? I used to think these role plays were rubbish and you know trash and couldn't be bothered. But this is actually helps me feel a bit more realistic and gets me prepped up for the call. So how, how do you guys like structure it like when you're doing role plays and stuff? There's definitely a right and a wrong way to do it. Or perhaps, let me say, a more effective and a less effective way of doing it. Uh, there's definitely something to be said about, about that nice way where you set the table cleanly, everybody knows their roles, and then three, two, one, action. But at the same time, you know, that awkwardness, I mean, what about cold calling isn't awkward, right? Like, yeah. You need to be so comfortable with that awkwardness and have the social ability to just maneuver your way around it, elegantly dance around the awkwardness so that you can get your message across. So, you know, there's many ways of doing pitch practice and I think they each have their ups and downs. Agreed with you, sir. And I think, yeah, the, the more you do it and the more you expose yourself to it, you get comfortable with the awkwardness and it doesn't feel as scary. Right. Um, but let's just say um, you're my manager, Nicholas, and I'm one of your new BDR reps. And I'm like, Nicholas, I'm feeling really scared about this. I don't know if this is going to work. What advice would you give me to that newbie rep who's just been asked by their manager? that you're about to do some practice, what advice would you give to them? I mean, it would depend where that that's feeling of being scared comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, like repetition is going to take away the edge of, of something being scary. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's called uh, behavioral therapy, I believe. Someone's afraid of heights, right? You expose them to that all the time. It's eventually going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, repetition is always key, but also like, you know, just take a moment, man. It's, it's no big deal. Like it's, we're over the phone. Nothing can hurt you. Worst case scenario, it's going to feel a bit awkward, but you know, you, you'll get over it. I'm sure they've had much more awkward situations in their life. <laughs> Agreed. And I a hundred percent agree. And I'm kind of, I was kind of telling one of my reps the other day, like she's um, a new rep and she's covering France. She's never worked in tech sales. Yeah. And I kind of went through the cold calling, like uh, role play. And then she says, like, what happens if, like, they're really rude to me? Or what happens if they put the phone? I'm like, the reality is you're probably never going to meet them in real life. You're never going to see them. And if they, you know, make fun of it, they may go home to their family and say, hey, I had this really funny call from Lucille. Mm. Da, 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 da. Who cares? Like, just, like, move Who on cares? to the next one. And then she was right. just like, yeah, you're kind of right. And, you know, get a bit of realization. But um, so obviously, like, we've had that insight from you of, like, being that initial BDR. Um, and then you went into an account executive role. So what was the transition like and like, what was you doing as an AE uh, and what lessons were learned from that, sir? Right. So I transitioned into an account executive position about six months um, into my role. And it was, I was still doing BDR cold calling. (laughs) It it was like a half and half. I was like half account executive for my company, Fiverring. So I'd be in charge of reaching out to people and getting new clients for my company. And uh, some of the clients that I would bring on were interested in cold calling. And me being the only cold calling rep, 
you know, that meant I was doing less account executive work and more BDR cold calling. Mm-hmm. So that's what my experience was. Uh, account executive position is infinitely easier once you've been doing cold calling. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like you learn how to run and then you go back to walking again. There's, you know, of course, it's not the same. There's a few details that need to change and a few more finesses that you need. But the bulk of the hard work has already been done. So I didn't find it too, too challenging. But, you know, there's, there's always new things to learn in, in this new dynamic. 100%. So. And here's the thing, like um, a lot of the time, like we, you know, we get our wings from being BDRing, SDRing, do the day-to-day stuff to get us ready to become those closers. And that's what a lot of SDRs and BDRs, I know in my network, they want to dream to aspire to. They want to be that person that closes the deal, gets that commission, you know, get the vibe. And it can sometimes be scary um, as well. And it's something I really wanted to do. And to be honest, like when I got into that role, it didn't excite me as much as it I thought it would, right? Mm, yeah. um, <clears throat> but for those people that are, you know, looking to progress into a closing role, um, a lot of our listeners and ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening in, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of you want to do this when you first start your SDR job. What advice would you give them to help in that progression? And what things should they consider rather than just, you know, wanting to get promoted, what should they be doing? So a key part of being an an account executive is throughout your pitch or throughout your conversation, learning what matters to your lead, right? So as a BDR, you're learning what matters to your lead so that you can position the the meeting that you book as being valuable enough for them to say yes. Mm. On an account executive level, you're essentially doing the same thing, but the threshold to action is much higher. It's not 30 minutes of their day. It's however many thousands of dollars a year, Mm -hmm. right? So it's that same process, but you need to have that process down pat 100%. That's a very important part of that. And uh, the experience you gain as a BDR, you know, that elegant dancing around awkwardness definitely comes in handy as well. But the the main point is finding that value that's going to get them to take action. I love it. That's some solid advice. Thank you, Nicholas. And I think also, um, like to be transparent, sometimes going into this AU role isn't the easiest thing because it's less forgiving than being a BDR, you know, maybe missing your number for a month. But if you like, you're missing your quota, that's pretty scary as well. Um, and when you're speaking to prospects and you're trying to run through like deals and you've got your pipeline, you're trying to pack it out and you're trying to close this and you're trying to do, you know, you have to speak to procurement or you have to get sign off, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of stress that comes with it. And I've lived that stress. Um, but also we can have nightmares with our prospects where prospects are, you know, they're not the nicest people or they, they're really not convinced. Like, did you have any like, horror stories or like you know real big learning curves from like being in that AE position that kind of like you know advice that you'd give out to other people you know before coming into that AE position I wouldn't say I've had any horror stories and I'd say that's because of how hard I worked as a BDR something that I've noticed is okay so as a BDR like everyone is afraid of someone being mean to them over the Mm -hmm. phone and it happens more often, you know, of course it depends on the industry that you're targeting and on the uh, persona as well, but that happens more often when you're not a talented BDR. If you sound like an amateur, people are going to treat you like an amateur. 
Mm. Eventually, you get to this point where you just sound so professional that nobody is going to be mean to you. Nobody, yeah. So it's just a matter of, of becoming so good and sounding so professional that people treat you with respect. And that, that comes with a lot of hard work and a lot of time. Um, for example, what I, I mean, I've gone through a journey. Like uh, I, was, I was telling you before we started recording, uh, I mean, yeah. before I started managing, you know, I've, I've been doing BDR work for about a year. And when I first started, there was no process for cold calling. Mm. No one in the company had done that before. Shaheem was teaching me, but this was all, you know, door to door. Uh, advice that he was giving me so yeah i had to do this on my own and i've i've tried i'm big into you know experimenting with different openers you know that's how i've been able to maneuver my way around and find something that works but i mean i've tried everything from like that excited opener where you're like hey neil how's it going right <laughs> and man the amount of hangups i got with that was horrendous it was so bad because now when you hear that, the first thing you think about is salesman done down. Yeah. Right. And I'll save you everything that happened in between. But now what I found that works best is you want to give off the auditory, uh, the auditory, what's it called? Appearance that you are a professional, preferably an executive in a higher position, mm. reaching out to another executive in a higher position. Yeah. So you want to think about, you know, if, if the CEO of Coca-Cola calls the CEO of Pepsi, is he going to be like, Hey Neil, how's it going? Right? No, <laughs> that's not what it's going to sound like. Yeah. It's going to sound something a bit more like, hi Neil, it's Nicholas from Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's it. There's no, how's it going? There's nothing. There's none of that. From there, Neil, you can respond to what I say in whichever way you want. And in that way, I give you full control of the conversation because from now on, if you ask me, how's it going? That was your decision. You started this conversation. Mm-hmm. I simply just said, hi, Nicola. Hi, Neil. It's Nicholas from Coca-Cola. Yeah. You'll usually have like a one to two second pause or gap where they're trying to think of like, okay, who is this guy? Do I know him? <laughs> yeah. How do I want to continue this conversation? And more often than not, you'll get a, Hey, Nicholas, how's it going? Mm. Now they started the conversation and you're like, oh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Mm. And they say, I'm doing pretty well. How can I help you? And then you go right into it. And the way you sound when you say, hey, Neil, how's it going? You want to picture yourself as if either something really good happened to you that morning mm. or you have everything you want in life. And this is going to be different for everyone, you know? Yeah. For some people, you won 10K this morning, right? How would you sound over the phone if you won 10K this morning? Freaking right? happy and positive and just happy. feeling like legit. Just feeling good. Like, yeah. you'd sound like, like, hey, Neil, how's it going? Right? <laughs> yeah. You'd sound good, man. You'd sound like you have someone, you sound like you're someone who's got it all figured out. For other people, it might be, you know, you're with your family in your special place, Hawaii, the Bahamas, wherever that is, right? You just want to get yourself into this mindset. Of you either have everything made or something really good happened to you this morning. How would you sound? From the other end, if you were to pick up the phone, say who you are, how would you sound? 
And from there, if you get it right, the other person's going to be like, man, this guy sounds happier than me, but not ecstatic over the top, right? He's just yeah, yeah, yeah. calm and satisfied, right? Yeah. He sounds good. This guy is a person of value I should listen to. He doesn't sound needy at all. So that's, this is like a year of, of trial and error. And that's the best I've come up with. I love that. I absolutely love that because, again, when I was listening to you and to your point, it's this mindset. Um, because, all right, we'll give you an example. Like it's coming to like mid month and, you know, you haven't booked as many meetings as you want. You've yeah. got this fear of not hitting your quota. So you're then on the phone, you've got these nerves and you're feeling like, oh, hi, Nicholas. Um, hi, I'm calling from Five Rings Marketing. That nerves will mm. then translate and it will be picked up by the other person. And to your right. point, they'll be like, yeah, is this a sales call? And you'll be hit with something you're like, <gasps> like deer in the headlights. Oh, and you're like, yeah. and, then, and then it just all goes south, right? But what you just said is just like putting your mind in the right place to like, you know, be in that happy place. And this kind of takes me back into my days of telemarketing. And I remember used to sitting in this horrible cubicle with this like, you know, phone and with my laptop and having Salesforce in front of me. And I, I used to be big into motorcycles. And my dream bike at the time was a Honda CBR 600RR5. And I used to have a picture on it. And before I used to get on the call, I used to look at that picture and said, like, do you know what? If I make commish and I hit my targets, that's what I'm going to get. And I'd always imagine myself riding that bike right. as if I already had it. So that when I connected with those hard-ass decision makers, I'd be like, hi, yeah. my name's Neil. Um, but it was a lot of trial and error. So I think the question I was going to ask you is like, how do you get into that mindset? But you can build that mindset through visualization. And, you know, if you've pumped yourself up by doing that 10K in the morning or you've hit the gym or, you know, you've listened to some pump-up music, um, that's what gets me in the zone. It's the same way before I do a training. I'm either like playing Jay-Z or Travis Scott or like some UK artists like with some grime. And I'm getting myself in the zone so that when I kick this off, I'm ready to rock and roll. And right. to your point, not being OTT, but feeling confident in myself. So I think that's some great tips there, dude. Thank you. Um, so taking it to the next level, like where you said, if we're going back a little bit, so you came into this company and like you're, you're dealing with, you're doing management now. And again, congratulations on your promotion. Thank you. Really yeah. happy for you on that, dude. Um, but you said like, you know, this cold calling thing wasn't a thing until like you had to build this out from scratch and you've now been promoted. Like, what was that journey like? And like currently what are you up to now, Nicholas, uh, within this management position? Yeah, incredibly hard, <laughs> to, to put it bluntly. <laughs> not easy. Uh, so I started working for Five Rings in the summer. It was uh, actually, yeah, pretty close to now. It was like end of August, that kind of mm. time. And you know, once we go into winter and there's less sun out and you're getting less exercise and you're taking a lot of rejection, you know, it takes a toll, man. Like it's, mm. let's, let's be real. It takes a toll. And, you know, I've, I've had many points for like my, my mental health was just not doing too well. Uh, I was, I was in some pretty dark places at some points. And what I realized is that to stay strong and to be able to keep pushing for me, exercise was incredibly important. Mm. If I got that in, I had the mental strength to, to keep my composure throughout the entire day. And then th that was also around the time I started really figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So, so these new techniques I'm working on plus the exercise to keep my mind fresh and, and spry plus the, uh, you know, the lower quantity of, of bad calls that I'm having because I'm getting better, 
allowed me to come out of this nosedive and then just go on this upward streak of just getting better and better and better mm. and mapping out more of the process and, and figuring out how am I going to teach this to someone. Yeah. And so uh, about a month and a half ago, something like that, uh, we decided to, to start hiring some more cold callers because our cold calling campaigns were performing. And mm. so, you know, now I've proven that this is a successful model that we can have for our company. Let's start growing it. And this is around the time, uh, perhaps a bit before we, we hired uh, an account executive full time. Yeah. And so she started bringing in some more cold calling clients, which means I have more work. <laughs> and so we started hiring some cold callers, uh, getting them onto our uh, campaigns. Yeah. And my entire shift has been like, okay, what do I know? What have I figured out? How can I teach this to someone else? Mm. And that was a, a very easy process for me. There was like no training that went into it. Um, I was just able to just intuitively offload this information. And now both these reps, I've got two right now. They're fully mm. productive right now. Cool. Uh, yeah. One of them is like, He's getting real close to my personal best. So it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, I've got, you know, I'm happy for him too. And obviously like my, uh, my main priority is to make reps that are better than me. So, yeah, you know, I'm doing my job there, but it's like, man, this guy's gonna, he's gonna beat me here, man. <laughs> yeah, I love funny. it. Yeah. I love it. So like you said, um, something that I, I'm a big advocate on is like with mental health and well-being. Um, yeah. Then like similarly, like earlier this year, I went through like a bit of a bad patch a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. actually about a month ago. So I've got my new team. Uh, and the thing for me is because I'm based in the UK, they're based out in Europe and it's all done remotely. So I only get a very short snapshot when I'm sitting down with them to give them this training, to share this knowledge of, you know, what I did as an SDR and what helped me out. Uh, but I give you an example. So imagine it's uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, I'm about to go into like an SDR sync, you know, to get the team motivated and get them pumped and say, these are the objectives for the week. This is what we're going to do as a team. Just before mm -hmm. I step into that meeting, uh, I get a phone call from my parents to say that my father's gone into hospital, not COVID related, oh, but he wasn't too yeah. well. Um, and they said, because of COVID uh, precautions, we're not allowed to visit him in hospital. That's, yeah, that's and that kind of sucks. So the good news is he's out of hospital. He's recovering. Oh, he's nice. doing really well. But right. I had to kind of take that on board before stepping into my team meeting and just having to be cool. And then the next day on Wednesday, again, I'm about to go into SDR like one-to-ones and coaching on uh, the individual contributors. Uh, and then I get an email from my son's school to say that he's been put into isolation. And this is just a few days before his birthday visit to my place. Uh, oh, and the news that that might not happen. So I then go into one of my one-to-ones uh, and I, it was really nice. One of my SDRs said to me like, Neil, are you okay? And I just looked at him and said, no, I'm not. I'm going to be okay, but I'm not. And I think it's important to not just, you know, it's just a natural thing that we do. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. It's mm. just a natural reaction that we have. But having that ability, and I've learned this to do this more as a manager with my one-to-ones, is to always ask my team again, are you sure you're okay before we get yeah. into business? Yeah, and I think sure. that's important. Uh, and then it got to Friday. I was about to record another podcast. And just before I went into the recording, I get a text message that a very close friend of mine had passed away due to Jeez, prostate man. cancer uh, and I went into the and I was just like that okay so I'm 
the funeral's coming up soon. Uh, an RIP to Andy. Shouts out to him. Um, I go into the session and my guest said, like, huh, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool, I'm cool. And they're like, and they looked at me and they're like, are you sure you're okay? You're not uh, good, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, yeah. I'm not. <clears throat> and they said, are you okay to record? I said, yeah, no, do you know what? I'm, I'm down for it. Uh, but the thing that really helps me out is exercise. Um, so what I've learned off the back of that is in the mornings to give me that strength to go through the day and to deal with these things, to talk to people. Exercise is a great way to get that, you know, the endorphins running in the head, make sure that you're journaling, make sure, you know, you're doing something and loving yourself a bit more because you can only pour into others' cup once mm -hmm. your cup is is full, right? Um, but equally, like with yourself, like where you're training these team members and they're coming up to like your ranks, it can be a little bit intimidating. So I knew I used to like be like head honcho and doing what I'm doing, and then you're training these young guys and girls into like becoming future salespeople, and you're giving them the training, and they, you're getting it, and they're getting these numbers. And I would sit there like, I never did that when I was at their point. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's freaking amazing, but it's freaking yeah. scary at the same time. But it's a pleasurable thing, I think, to to be a manager to share that knowledge and to see somebody take it and then make it their own and become successful. So for me, I've never really been motivated by money, but I'm motivated by people being successful and winning. And if I have a very small part in that, that makes me happy and inspired to like keep doing that thing um, as well. But um, being like a business development manager, like what is the thing that makes you happy about this role? Because it's not the easiest role, but wh why do you like it, Nicholas? So to clarify, um... No, it's not the easiest role, but, you know, I just seem to have like a natural knack for this. So it's, it's actually, it hasn't been too difficult for me personally speaking. Mm. Uh, so what was the second part of the question? So as in like taking on this role, so you've been the BDR, yeah. you've been the closer. Now you've gone into this management position. This is actually yeah. a different way for a lot of people that start out in an SDRB. It's a different career path. Um, and I think like, through my own experience, I think this has really helped me to become a better sales individual because I'm learning stakeholder. I'm learning, you know, how to manage different people. I'm learning how to, you know, talk to people at different points in their careers and paths, the same way mm -hmm. that I'm speaking to prospects. And I think this is a really cool career path, but I'm not sure as many people are open to this because they see this as, well, I'm putting my neck on the line for a whole bunch of other people and my success is determined by their success, right? So my question to you is like, what makes you happy about this role and what do you like about it? And if there's anybody out there thinking, you know, I've been in a company for a couple of months, there's this team lead or management position coming, what advice would you give to them as to why this could be good for them? Okay, great question. So what makes me happy about the role is, is I think we've touched on it, it's that human touch. It's, it's seeing someone succeed in life. Um, I think that's, way more satisfying for me personally than making a sale. Mm. Uh, there's more of a community feeling to it, whereas a sale can feel quite personal, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as advice that I would give and people transitioning, you need to keep it real. There's, there's no room for, for fluff or for, for fakeness when you're training your reps. If there's something that's bothering you or something that's bothering them, you need to call it out. Mm. Like this is your team. It's akin to going to battle together because, you know, there's a lot of analogies you could draw to that. You know, these, these are your men and women, right? You need to be on the same page. You need to understand them 
not just strength and weaknesses on the career, but emotionally as well. What kind of people are they? How do they respond to certain criticism? It's, you know, I think, and another reason I say that, you know, this hasn't been the hardest position to go into is because a lot of the work was already done in my BDR phase. Mm. Those like social skills were solidified through that year of cold calling. And so now like, man, having a conversation about like how you're feeling today is infinitely easier than having a conversation <laughs> about, I don't know, like <laughs> about like what kind of HR software you're going to use. It's infinitely easier. And so, yeah, you just need to keep it real, man, because if you don't, your reps are going to pick up on it. They're going to feel like they don't trust you. They're going to start withholding information. And that's just going to, it's going to muddy the waters. And you won't know what course of action to take when a specific problem arises. Yeah. I think, well, as a manager right now, you've just given me some solid advice to take on board as well. And I, I 100% agree. And I think like with these leadership positions, I think it's a great opportunity for, you know, a lot of aspiring salespeople that are coming into tech and doing these jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and like even within teams that I've gone into, I've seen particular SDRs where they've been that team player, they're helping out the newbies, they're being the buddy, they're giving training where it's not being asked of them, but they're just helping out other people um, and people are able yeah. to go to them and confide. And I sit and I'm like, you'd make a great manager one day or you'd make like a great team lead initially. And I'm trying to like steer them that way. Yeah, right. The same way my VP of operations, when I first went into my tech company, said, Neil, have you ever thought about being like an SDR manager? Like, hell no, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, Wait, why? <laughs> why were you so opposed to it? Good question. So the reason why I was so opposed, it was that fear of, you know, putting my neck on the line selfishly for mm. other people because I didn't know if I could lead a team. I didn't know if I could motivate them. I didn't know if they would believe in me and I didn't know if I could be successful in this versus, right. you know, month on month, hitting my quota, overachieving, getting some good commission. I was like, there's a huge element of risk with this, right? Um, but what I'm happy to say is <laughs> he kind of twisted my arm because there was nobody else available. Mm. And I'd kind of been similar. Like you said, I'd kind of been doing it myself already because I was that first SDR. I had to kind of just show everybody how, how I was doing it every time we had a new hire. So it was right. just like a natural progression, but there was a huge payoff to it because I found like being able to marry a bunch of people together to achieve a common goal, to be happy and celebrate everybody's successes. And when we had bad days, we'd help each other out. And that felt like, like you said, like a community, like a family knit unit. Yeah, and that was so much more satisfying rather than just trying to do it on my own as a lone wolf. Um, so yeah, to listeners and watchers out there, like if this is something that piques your interest, definitely speak internally or speak to other people like Nicholas that has mm -hmm. done it and pick their brain because again, it can definitely you know help you out in your career as well. Yeah, and and start taking initiative too because if I notice one of my reps starting to coach other reps and you know, saying the right things, that definitely makes a fantastic impression on me. Hundred percent, I love it, dude. Yeah. Well, Nicholas, this has been a great conversation and i have been looking forward to this and i'm not feeling so sloggy after my vaccination this morning but it's nice. been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show so a question that i always ask the guests is what three bits of advice would you give to somebody who's just about to embark in their bdr sdr career what three bits of advice would you give them sir okay so the first one for me the most important thing is being in the right mental state so for me it's exercising for you Find whatever it is you need to, because 
you need that that shield, that buffer zone between you and the bullshit that happens on a net on a BDR position. Yep. You need that. Otherwise, it's going to get to you and you're going to implode. So find whatever helps you in that regard. The second, find whatever helps you perform good at your position. For me, it's it's being calm and you know acting as if something good happened on my job. For you, it's something else. It could be completely different. And the third one, I'd say don't forget to live your life, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this is just a position at the end of the day. Uh, you know, you might be clocking in nine, ten hours, but you know, you, you still have people outside of your work and don't forget to live your moments and don't let your life pass by because you're so focused on your career. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Nicholas. So yeah, definitely like health is wealth. Um, yeah. Make sure that, you know, if it's exercise, if it's meditation, if it's speaking to people or, you know, like me listening to music to pump me up um, and also making sure that, you know, whatever, find your spark, find that thing that gets you up, that gets you hyped, that gets you happy and hold on to that feeling like when you're doing this role, because it is very unforgiving uh, and you'd go through a hell of a lot of it's, it is a hard role. And I say that to my reps, this isn't the easiest role, but you know, if you put in, you'll get something out of it. Um, And yeah, the realest bit of information that you just gave there as well, like you kept it real where, you know, this is a, you know, a job, it's a career, like it's not fully your life. And that's something I have to always remember because sometimes I don't switch off and, I'm spending up to however many hours, like 14, 15 hours a day trying to get stuff done so that I can yeah. work the continuous stakes that I have to learn how to switch off as well and, you know, reconnect with reality. Um, because a lot of time we're on the screens, we're talking to people in inboxes, we're in the matrix, like step away mm. and might have a healthy balance to it. Thank you so much, Nicholas. And are there any shout outs that you'd like to give on the show today, Nicholas? Yeah, Shaheem Alam and Nilafar Nikju as well, both from Five Rings Marketing. Herp, herp. Big shout out to them. <laughs> Love it. Shouts out to the fellas and guys out there. And again, thank you so much to Shaheem for like introducing yourself and getting you on this show. I've been really enjoying it as well. So Nicholas, uh, listeners, I want to say also thank you to all of you for listening and watching in. Remember, if you're listening onto your local podcast provider, please give us a rating and share out there. And equally, if you're on YouTube, make sure you comment, like, and subscribe down below. But Nicholas Griffiths, I wish you a pleasant weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing your career grow as uh, we see things happening over at Five Rings Marketing. And most importantly, Nicholas, I wish you happy selling, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Neil. And we'll definitely keep in touch because I had a really great time having this conversation. Great. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR 
disco call one word at bcast which is b-c-a-s-t dot email and you'll be added to our mailing list we're also on the lookout for new guests so if you work in the world of sales development as an sdr bdr mdr or adr and feel that you have an important message or story to share feel free to email us at podcast at happy and we'd love to have you on board